0: To the Western North London podcast where we sit down each and every week to answer your big Arsenal questions. I'm Caleb. And I'm Tim. Tim, it's it's another another week of of things happening in Arsenal Land that are maybe well, we'll talk about how big a deal they are. But this it, it's it still feels like I'm waiting for <laughs> the other shoe to drop, the other the big thing to happen. So I don't know what that's going to be, but I'm still waiting I mean, for it.
1: I think that's just the general case within soccer in general. I think everyone's kind of waiting for another shoe to drop. There's not <laughs> a lot of news going around other than the uh, the Olympic uh, Games in which Sweden beat the U.S. 3-0 in the Women's uh, Olympics. Yeah, I think that caught everybody by surprise. Did not catch me by surprise. <laughs> <laughs> not this
0: guy. Not this guy. <laughs> Well, that's uh, it, there's there's at least one person in the U.S. that was happy about that. There's probably more, but I I can say I know one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. So what what's uh what drink do you
1: have in your hand this week? So I decided to crack open a special bottle. This is a bottle I bought pre-pandemic and has just been hanging out in my beer cellar for the last. I mean, year and a half, or actually more. I bought this in like August, so probably exactly two years. Is and it's a uh, by Matchless, which was the other uh, week, another one of my brewers. But it's a a collab with Northworks Brewing, which is out uh, towards uh, towards the uh, Mount Baker, and it is called "Where Is My Barley Wine," and it is, as you can see, a barley wine. Hmm. And it is an exciting twelve point seven percent. Have you tried it yet? So I have a small glass. I'm not sure. I'm going. I haven't not tried it. I opened it because it has a wax on. and I didn't want to try and get through the wax seal on camera. We'll see how much of this I can get through <laughs> during the show. But let's. Oh.
0: Hmm.
1: Oh God, that is delightful. <laughs> it's a. They say it's aged in a multiple different amount of uh, bourbon barrels, and it's just mm-hmm. like it's. You, I think you might hate it because it has no hops in it whatsoever, and it's all like caramel and raisins. And yeah, this is. I'm in heaven right now. This is. I'm glad I waited till right now to have this. And I'm going to have to let you talk right now. Cause I'm in just like kind of a ecstasy. <laughs> I, I didn't
0: hate the barley wine I had a few weeks ago. It was all right. I, it's just not something I would reach for in the summer generally. So I think I would circle back to barley wine more as like a, a winter, winter ale sort of thing.
1: Yeah. I mean like, yeah, I could see this as a really good winter ale, but right now, like I, this is one of the best barley wines I've ever had. Like I'm I've been saving this for a while and I don't know why I chose to pop it today, but yeah, it is definitely one of the better beers I've had in my entire life. So Ooh. if you can find it, I don't think you can anymore, but the matchless brewing, uh, where is my barley wine? How, how old, how long has it been aging? Uh, 2000. So like summer 2019. So two years. Okay. That's, that's probably good. Good enough.
0: I don't know how you could probably age yeah. those for quite a while. All right, I've got one that I have not opened yet either. So I'm going to do that. I have a Hop Hop Valley Operation Vacation IPA. Hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Oh nice. Yeah. I do like Hop Valley.
0: Yeah, somebody left a few of these around or a few different ones at my house. So we'll be trying a few different variations from their summer <laughs> mix pack. So we'll see if this one's any good. Hmm. It's Okay. I kind of was hoping for a little more huh. bite to it. It's a little on the, um, it's a little light on the IBU. It's a, it's a 20. So I, I like it a little bit yeah, stronger. That's actually even lower than last week's beer for you. I... Yeah. So I, I need to get, I need to get back into the really hoppy dank beers, but this is, uh, this is all right. It's just not what I'm, not what I'm looking for
1: right now. When they say vacation, what makes it a vacation? Does it have any uh, fruity flavors to it? Hmm. It's got the
0: tropical accents, yeah, is what they call it. Yeah. Tropical accents. Yeah. And intense aromas of peach, citrus, and fresh pear. Hmm. I think I'm just done with all the fruit in my beer.
1: (laughs) I I, I like a little less fruit. No, I totally get that. Like, I... I do like like a a stone fruit in my beer. Like I do love like a cherry flavor or a uh, peach flavor. But as far as like actual just like fruit in the beer, like it depends. Like, I mean, when it's hot and sunny outside, it's always nice, but. Okay. So Tim,
0: you've got a a Tim's bit for me this week. (laughs) What is it?
1: Uh, Well, with. All of the uh, the talk about uh, you know Emil Smith Rowe re-signing, and one of the big things was, uh, and we're going to get very deep into this conversation. But one of the big things is that he asked for the uh, the number ten. So I wanted to know if you were playing soccer, what number would you pick and why?
0: My go-to number whenever I'm creating a player on FIFA or anytime I need to pick a number is seventeen. Or right now, unfortunately, that is uh Cedric's number, so I'm not gonna go out and get a number seventeen <laughs> jersey. Um I think my I'm trying to think who it was before him, but I know previously Sanchez had seventeen was it a Wobie? I'm trying to remember who was a seven who was seventeen before that, but yeah, it's uh hasn't been a, a, an amazing number for Arsenal necessarily. But uh, that would be what I would choose.
1: Why? What What made you uh, choose seventeen? What is that? Uh, for it's just you? it's just my lucky number. Uh,
0: it's from, my birthday's on the seventeenth. I was seven. My my seventeenth year on this earth was a good one. Cool. Um. So yeah, it's turned out to be a good good number for me overall. Excellent.
1: Yeah. Nothing. Nothing. Nothing too exciting. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Someday we'll have to hear about what your 17th year entailed, but I won't put you on the spot right now. Um, Oh, yeah. Yeah. Someday.
0: I might need more drinks.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I've always been a number two, but that's because I played a number two. I was always a left back uh, playing. And yeah, that's just always been my number. Even when uh, I've been pushed into midfield, I always chose number two because that's kind of my home nice
0: I think uh, I think that is any of the low numbers are solid solid numbers I think 17 I feel like is one of those ones i was
1: surprised go ahead No, i was surprised you picked 17 because like that's generally a bench number as it were it was it's (laughs) not necessarily a starting number no
0: no but there's those there is those times where like i said i think sanchez was a 17 um i'm trying to look oh yeah it was a Woby. so it's it, a Woby wasn't necessarily a, a a locked in starter by any means um but yeah it's it hasn't hasn't necessarily been a bench number for arsenal but yeah it's not it's not not as uh, glamorous as a 9 or 10 or something lower But these numbers—they I mean, like,
1: just number two is not very glamorous to begin with, anyways.
0: Yeah, I uh, I feel like you're. Um, it's it's more about what you do, not what number you're wearing. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. All right, so let's let's get into the the meat and potatoes of this week's episode. Uh, there's been. A, very little that's happened since last time we talked to you, but the big news is Emil Smith signing a five-year extension uh, on his contract. Um, I, I didn't look at the numbers as far as what he's making or anything like that, but you know, anytime these guys come up through the academy, it's it's it, you're playing with house money. You just got to worry about the, getting them paid the right amount, and you don't have to worry about transfers fees. It's it's a beautiful thing. That's a, it's exactly what we should be doing.
1: Yeah, I'm. I mean, I'm very much okay with this uh, extension. As I said, it's playing with house money. Plus, I think uh, the number ten spot is a spot we need to be concentrating quite a bit on. And him, hence the question that we were talking about earlier, him stepping up and saying he wants to be the number ten for Arsenal, I think is a uh, a positive thing is he the number 10 for right now uh, next year? I guess we'll see, but I'm, I'm hopeful that uh, he can develop and be that, that player. Uh, but adding those extra years of contracts is just extra security in case we need to move him on.
0: Yeah, I guess it, it asks the question now is, is, is his career trajectory over the next five years? Like, in that time frame, could he be the number ten that we want him to be? Um, and what is it that we want out of a number ten? I guess because to me, he's he's interesting and he has a lot of potential to be that sort of player. But when when we've watched him play in this last half a season, I would I wouldn't have said, "Oh, that's that's our number ten right there. That's our guy." So I think the fact that he wants that and has asked for it I think that shows a lot of um a lot of uh courage I guess and that that's something I want out of our out of our number 10 is is to have that uh confidence and then I think the 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 things that he has shown on the field are definitely like the the tip of the iceberg I feel like he does have a lot of development he has the potential to be really good, but it, it is just the the grass shoots, like not quite the the full product. We're get, we're going to get there and I, I'm glad that he's going to do it with us. And I think that is an asset. He, he, he could be a great asset if he doesn't work out with us. So I think like giving him that 10, locking him up for five years, those are all positive things. And I don't see that hurting Arsenal. And if they do find somebody else that wants to, um, play that role, I don't think it hurts that he has that number. I just feel like it's, it can, the only negative might be if he feels pressure from wearing that number.
1: Well, I mean, you say that uh, if he feels pressure for wearing that mu- number, but if he's asking for it, I think he's w- willing to take on a little bit of that pressure, which I think is a good thing. I think it, it's weird because when you look over who who's worn the number ten and not just as a number, but who has taken on that role as a number ten in Arsenal history, you have you know my favorite player of Arsenal history, Dennis Bergkamp, and you have after that taking on you know like Azul, and so there is a decent amount of expectation I think from the fan base of what that means as a position and what that is, and it's a it's a combination I think he can have. Uh, he. I don't think he's going to be the finished article this year, even. I think he has a lot to step up to, but I am very excited that he's willing to take that responsibility and to try and actually, I don't know, play up to those, uh, those ghosts of Arsenal pass.
0: Yeah, I think there's a lot to live up to, and that's okay. I, I think it's okay that um, there is that pressure. I guess my my fear would be that he feels it too much and and lets it affect his game. But we don't really know. You you know, it, some people really thrive under that sort of pressure and and do step up their game to try to um, meet expectations. So I think it, it's. It would be a different situation if, if, if Arteta approached him and said, I want you to be my number 10 versus him asking for it. I think him wanting it, that desire is a very different situation. So I, I, I think that, that that is pressure he's inviting rather than something he should be nervous or afraid of. I think he's he's meeting it head on. And so that's... um. That's uh, it's more of a good sign in my mind that he won't buckle under that pressure because he's he know uh, he knows what he's getting into and I think, um, Arteta was quoted as saying like he he explained to him what that what that entails like what that means when you take on the ten and the the problems and the the thing the positives that can come from that, um, but also that he's ready to support him in that in that journey so I think that's um, I think the fact that Arteta appreciates that sort of uh, gumption and wants to let that blossom. I think that's a a, a positive thing. And it just, it's in my mind, the, the, the main fear around it would be that it's uh, the fan expectations that come along with that. And that's, that's not necessarily anything he can control. All he can do is go out and play his best, and and then the fans are going to decide what they want either way. But I think that it does. I think it, it does add pressure from a fan perspective in the sense that he is maybe not what people expected going into this window as as like the the creative midfielder that that many people were clamoring for. I don't think anybody was like, "Oh yeah, we already got it." It's Meal Smith Rowe. I I think most people are like, we got to go out and find somebody. So I think there is still that desire and what I I don't know if that's a top priority for Arsenal. Now that may be something that are able to kind of wait and see how the market plays out or, you know, push that to another window. Um, It it is a a thin area. So I, I would personally want to see them go out and, and get somebody else to supplement what Emile Smith Rowe brings. I, I, I hate to keep going back to the Odegaard well, but, you know, he is somebody that worked well with what Emile Smith Rowe does. And if they can find somebody like that, that can kind of dovetail with what he does, I think that would be the ideal situation because putting all of that creative weight onto Emile Smith Rowe might be a little too much too soon.
1: yeah I, I mean I think there's a uh, two two parts that you brought up just there, and the first part is the uh the the pressure that he'll be under and I think it does increase the pressure to ask for that number, but at the end of the day, it is just a number and who really gives it like they could be wearing alien signs, and I wouldn't really care what <laughs> like what that was but uh and I also think as far as pressure, there are players much higher up on the pressure hierarchy that are going to be more fans' ire. I think uh, abameyang is definitely someone that the fans are going to be much more worried about than Emil Smithrow. And to be honest, I think there's going to be a lot more pressure on Saka coming into this season as far as... Or uh, pressure, expectations. I guess they're mm-hmm. two sides of the same coin in some ways. Uh, I think if Smithrow underperforms, whether or not he's wearing a 10... I don't think it's going to be as big of a deal as some of the other players we have. Uh, and on the other side, as you're talking about uh, this uh, idea of trying to bring in you know, more players, like I, I think we do want to bring in more players. Obviously, we always want the best, but I, I always get nervous when we're just always looking to bring in new players as opposed to develop from with, within. I, I don't think... I know it's the new modern... View of what a soccer team is, which is you're just always buying the next new hot thing and there's always a player you want to buy. But I think if we put some just, I don't know, resources into promoting from within, which is what Emil Smith Rowe is, is a, a perfect example of promoting within and developing from within and giving patience, I think you can get your own type of reward from that. You know, and we, we do see that with soccer, you know.
0: Yeah, I just wonder if if Emil Smith Rowe gets injured. I know that I I can see in my mind like what what would need to happen to accommodate for that, and and we have the players to make it work. You kind of just shuffle Saka into that role, or um, somebody else. I I think I think it is kind of a a, a Saka would be the the closest to what Emil Smith Rowe does. I guess that's concerning in the sense that you're pulling other players out of their best positions to accommodate for that. And so I'd like to see them, um, get another player in that creative midfield role that could back up Emile Smith If he's our, if he's our hundred percent front runner for that position, then he should be playing that week in week out as much as he can. But I, I, I think across the board, you should have players that are being pushed by the players behind them or supplemented by the players around them. I, I don't want there to be like a, a void if he is unable to perform or unable to play a given week or whatever it may be, because um, we don't have the the personnel to, to do a like for like switch. Like we saw what happened with tyranny, not being able to play and, all the shuffling that had to go on to make that team work. And it, it pulled Jaka out of his best position. So I would hate to see that happen. Neil Smith has definitely had his share of injuries started last season off with a shoulder injury, which really it was only until the, uh, um, boxing day match when he was like fully healthy and ready to come, come into the, 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 the games. So, I'd I'd hate to see us put him in that number ten role and then not really have a uh, plan B or a, or some somebody behind him to push him a little bit. So I I don't think it necessarily you don't have to go get an Odegaard level player, but I would like to see somebody come in who has some creativity that can push and and challenge Emil Smithrow a little bit, uh, but maybe not necessarily at that level. Um, just somebody who could slot in a, a, a few games here and there, and, and and uh have some coverage. So maybe maybe signing Emil Smith Rowe lets us say, hey, but we don't have to go break the bank on that position. We can put that money into Ben White or I don't know. I, I just don't. I, I have a harder time making the case for uh, a James Madison sort of signing as a creative midfielder because that that sort of money just seems crazy when you have just given the number 10 to Emile Smith row.
1: Oh, definitely. And I, I know we're going to address a question about our, uh, our deepest needs and it's going to v- sound very hypocritical to me from what I just said here. But, uh, I think, I think the the thing I take out of this is that I, I love, I love the fact that we have two young players that are taking up positions and are making a strong argument for, uh, you know, starting and that, you know, putting them the, to these long contracts is great. We saw that, uh, it was, was it two years ago? Time gets very squishy when we signed Sokka to his long-term contract. And, uh, once we did that, we protected his value so well. And, you know, his value is just only skyrocketed since we put him through that contract.
0: Yeah, I was, I was looking at that, uh, before we started recording, uh, Smith rose only currently valued at about 20 million um dollars and I, I think that uh he has he has so much potential in that in a position of need for the for the national team I mean like he he's kind of the the next grayish sort of player I think and so that is certainly a, a role that the the national team needs so I think he'll be in that conversation uh, for England I think. Um, he he's kind of just on the cusp of making that same sort of breakout that that Saka has made in the past couple seasons, um. So I think more game time and and certainly more exposure will see his value grow immensely over the next couple years. So by the time you're at that, uh, you know you're three years into this next contract, I think you're looking at a. 40 to $50 million player as opposed to a $20 million player. So by the time we happen to make the decision on re-signing or selling, he's going to certainly double his value in my mind.
1: Yeah. I mean, and as we look at all a lot of our other players that we're looking to offload, he's definitely a player I want to, to, to hold on to, you know, like when you're compare, comparing it to like, uh, inkedia or any of the other players that are kind of coming out of that, uh, generation. Mm-hmm. I think we found the two that are, are going to stick with us.
0: Yeah. I, I think that the, the cream, the cream has definitely risen to the top here and that's not to talk to, to talk bad about Enkedia. Um, it's just, it's more about what, what they have done with the chances they've been given. Um, and, and Kedia hasn't been bad by any means. I just don't think he's, risen to the occasion and been consistent enough with the minutes that he's been given. I know that is tough when you're in and out of the lineup and and coming off the bench and that sort of thing. So um it is uh, not not easy to make that leap into the starting lineup. That that is a challenge especially when you've got big players in front of you. It helps when you have um when you you're you're in a position of need and and you come in and all of a sudden it's like, "Oh, well, Compared to what we used to have, you're way better, so it's it's much easier. But when you're when you're being compared to Lacazette or Aubameyang or something, then Enketti has got a lot more work of, of his work cut out for him.
1: Um, and, and speaking of Enketti, and I know this is not on our running order, so sorry to throw oh, you a
0: anything you want to talk about is fair game. <laughs> uh,
1: I'm I'm generally not one to to worry about transfer windows as far as like players coming in. I tend to be pretty chill. But uh, what are your feelings about the players going out right now or the lack of players <laughs> going out? No are, players. You, are, are you are you getting worried at all? Uh, I'm a little concerned about the
0: Jaka deal. I thought that was going to be uh, uh, an easy one to get done after the Euros were over. And it seems like it's gone radio silent a bit. And he, he's still traveling I think he's not quite back back from his post euro vacation so um I will hope I'm gonna hope that that's one of the reasons it's gone a little quiet uh I'm hoping it's not because uh, they've gotten cheap on us and don't want to pay the 20 million that, that Arsenal's asking but I, I do think Arsenal need to kind of stick to that and and see if they can get somebody to step up for it for him, because he did have a good Euros, he has been a solid player for us, and he's still important to us. I, I would, I would keep him I- another season if nobody wanted to take him, because it's it's a, certainly a position that we're not quickly filling. You know, I, I I'm glad that they went out and got um, Sambi, and and that there's going to be a, a a player for the future there. But uh, you know, Jaka at least pr- provides a solid partner to party. So you know, if it's um, if we had to keep him around and and try to get more out of him, I wouldn't hate that idea. But I he wants out. I, I don't want a player that doesn't want to be here necessarily. So that's that's the other side to this: is do we want a disgruntled Jaka running around our midfield when he would rather be in Italy? And I, I'm. I'm not sure it's it's kind of feeling like the whole market is is kind of in the same boat it's not just just Jaka or or Bellerin or whoever it is that we're trying to get rid of there's a lot of teams that are trying to get rid of players and there's not for some reason there's not a huge (laughs) huge buyer's market you know there's there's the teams that can spend money and then a lot of guys will probably end up on loans uh towards the end of the window which is not ideal but we need to take what we can get in some of these situations just to make room on the roster. Like I, I I want to still be able to go out and and get one or two players and not have other players just sitting around. Like you can't have a Reese Nelson or a a Cedric or whoever these deep bench players are that are not going to see the light of day this season without Europa League. Um, we just got to clear out some of this extra stuff. And I do think it's going to be a lot, a lot of loans. So, um, if we can get a couple player sales, I think that would be ideal, but it is, it is making me a little nervous that it's not moving quite as, as quickly as I would have
1: hoped. Yeah. And I make, I, I, I have been kind of saying that I I, I've been less optimistic that these players are going out that everyone's, had expected to go out and there there is plenty of time for the uh the window to open up but it's just like if you look at the uh, the overall health of the window right now it it always is the case that you have these big spenders spend money and the money comes in and then like the like adding oil to a machine all the gears turn and these uh players start moving but you're looking at the the usual spenders and they're not going to be spending any money barcelona is looking to Drop players. Madrid's looking to drop players. Inter's looking to drop players. Milan is looking to drop players. Like I don't, I can't see where money's getting get put into the system, in which these other teams are going to be able to spend. And it just yeah, like it's. I I think it's going to be a a very big recession. So I think we're going. to Like I've said this before, and I know that people have laughed me out. But I think we're going to be holding on to some of these players that we thought we were going to get rid of. Like I think Zaha is a great example of that, that I think there's a strong possibility he's going to be playing with us next. Right. I'm, I guarantee you, William, I, is going to be here next season. I, I think there's these, a lot of these players that we thought we could, or we would hope that we could get rid of. They're just going to be staying on the team.
0: And William, William is just another one of those players that is trapped by his huge wages I think there would be people in for him if they didn't have to pay him so much, but Arsenal made that another dumb error in overpaying to, to bring him in. And uh, I don't, I don't see an easy out for him unless Arsenal are willing to bite the bullet and, and cut him loose, you know, at either a cut, a, a, a cut rate transfer or just outright void his contract and pay him off. Yeah, because I don't, I don't. He's just gonna take up a bench spot. I just don't know what
1: he's gonna do for us this season. I wouldn't be surprised if he's playing with the uh, the uh, the reserves. Mm. That we just like we're not putting him on a spot for the uh, the the first team, and we just have him in the reserves. It's just a lot of money to have for a uh, (laughs) a reserve player.
0: I would absolutely love to be wrong about him, and I kind of felt like. I felt like that about Ozil towards the end too. It was just like I was just waiting to f- be wrong because it's another it's another player that um has looked really good in the past. You know, I think I think I would have like, uh, even a couple years ago I would have been okay with a Williams signing. Um I don't think anybody expected the drop off that he has had.
1: Not any I'm I am going you can if we rewind the tape. I hated the signing from the start. <laughs> I thought it was one of the worst signings we've done and it, I mean I, I and I, I don't say that with any glee I, I, I want to be proven wrong and I hope that this next year somehow William picks up what he's doing but it, that signing had all the earmarks of a horrible signing. Player over 30 for way too much money on wages and yeah we're, we're, we're getting exactly that
0: who? <laughs> let me try that one <laughs> again. Who do you think between Abalang and William, two players in their in their thirties, maybe slightly past their due date? Um, you know, wh- which one of them do you think, all things being equal, which one of them plays their way out of their slump?
1: I mean, I think that's a fun question. I think uh, Aubameyang had a, a lower ditch to dig himself out of mm-hmm. that. I, I, I think the thing about William is his ditch is very, 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 very deep. <laughs> yeah. Whereas Aubameyang still scored some goals for us. He's And mm-hmm. you can still see the flashes of brilliance. He's only a year off of a, a really, really, really good year for us. And even in preseason, you're seeing him on the... Uh, the first goal against uh, Millwall. And I know we're going to get to that game, but mm-hmm. if he had that. Uh, <laughs> it turned out to be kind of an assist, but it would have been a brilliant goal. <laughs> if he went in. yes. So uh, I can, of the two, I have more time of day for Aubameyang and I feel like he is more likely to pull himself out though. I'm a little worried about him to be honest. Mm, hmm. Yeah.
0: I think it's easier as a,
1: um,
0: as a person who actually scores goals to make a, a measurable, uh, <laughs> I, I don't know what, if, if Williams going to suddenly completely become a goal scorer. I mean, he's always been more of a, a creator than a goal scorer, but he, he did have that in his toolbox before and I haven't seen it recently. So, I can't remember if he knows how to score, but I, I think it is it is easier to to measure uh, a, a return to form when you're when you're looking at
1: goal scoring versus whatever it is William's been doing. I mean, and to be fair to William, like uh, on this, uh, I wanted to say West Ham, but it's not West Ham. It is Millwall on the Millwall game. William was involved in the third goal, and so like if you're going to use preseason as a judge both of them are showing signs of life. So I don't know, but yeah. Against crap competition though. So we can't, <laughs> exactly. can't, can't, can't,
0: can't say too much about it. Um, yeah. So I don't know where we were, where we were at before we started talking about this. Um, we were talking about Emile Smith Rowe at some point here. Um, so do you, do you, what, what are your feelings about the, um, that position now, is that, is that his and his alone? Or do you think Arsenal will, will look, look to the market if, if there's anybody available?
1: <laughs> I, I, I'm trying to skirt around this question because we have a, a, a topic about it later on the agenda, but I will say that I think it, it the number 10 position, whoever's, whether or not Emil Smithrow has the number is a, a position of need for us. And it's it's for a lot of the same reasons that you mentioned earlier, which is that at least for depth, it would be awesome to have another player. I also don't think Emilio Smithrow is necessarily ready to jump to the big time without a, a safety net. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would love to to find uh, some sort of creative midfielder that like slots into that position. That. I mean, yeah, we always go back to Odegaard. I think Odegaard last year was the exact type of signing we, we need for this year. And I don't think we can afford to buy the player that we need for that position. But if we can get another quality loan like that for that position, I think that's the direction we need to go with it. Yeah.
0: And at, oh, there was a rumor going around this week and i i I, I was ready to buy into it because I want it to happen so bad. Um, there was somebody that writes for and is supposedly a very uh, high tier, uh, person in the know, um, for Real Madrid, and they were saying that uh, they they felt like Odegaard was was kind of feeling detached from the team. <laughs> Take from that what you will. Um, you gotta wonder with the with the. Troubles that Barcelona and Real Madrid are having, they're going to have to loan players out at the very least if if they can't sell if they can't find buyers. And I just feel like for all the trouble that they're in, even if they're selling players at a cut rate, and it's like uh, all the you know that that there just aren't that many people who can pay for the players outright. I I think there's going to be a lot of loans with options and loans with obligations to try to get their books right. And, um, at least for Real Madrid, I, I, they they have a lot of midfielders. They have people older than Odegaard. They have people younger than Odegaard. They have pretty much every age profile in their system for midfielders. So I could see if, if, they get closer to the the season and they need to make some moves and Odegaard wants to play. I think it would benefit all parties to get him another loan. I just don't know if it's if he's, I feel like he kind of got a little bit of flack from the Real Madrid fans for wanting to, to leave and get playing time rather than fight for his spot. And so doing that again would only further that that impression that he's not willing to fight for his spot. But I I, I was I think I I, don't, I can't remember what I where I was writing this might have been on Reddit. <laughs> but basically, you know, where where else would uh, Odegaard be appreciated for his leadership qualities for some of the the things that you know he's just not even going to be in the picture for Real Madrid. He would be like perfect fit for Arsenal. You know, like the, the, the things that he does won't even get noticed at Real Madrid, honestly, but he would be a superstar again if he had a full season with us.
1: I think uh, the, the, I a hundred percent agree with you with that idea makes a hundred percent sense. I think one of the dangers is to fall into the trap of Madrid doing anything that makes a hundred percent sense. (laughs) <laughs> and yes. I that that club is a very interesting club. Uh I think also I, I'm very wary of any type of rumors around both Madrid, uh Barcelona, any of the major Spanish clubs, because they just have like a press cycle that runs so crazy mm-hmm. that you have to have all these rumors churning all the time. They have two Two newspapers that are there just writing about Madrid and Barcelona. So, like, they have to daily come up with these new ideas. So, I'm very, I'm always very loath to like to believe in the rumors. I, everything I've heard from the sources are that they, that uh, Madrid is really trying to do the younger rebuild and that Odegaard is definitely in on their plans. That being said, you you hit the nail on the head. I think it's I would it would be the smartest moves for all party involved to come to a reasonable solution to get Odegaard to Arsenal.
0: Mm-hmm. I just
1: I think Madrid is probably gonna overvalue what Arsenal would ever pay for Odegaard. They've already invested way too much into that kid, and I I can't see a sale going through. I again it'd be something I'd love to be proved wrong, but everything I've read and seen is that's that's not going to happen so i've already kind of left him to that scrap pile of dreams that we've had yeah i think there's
0: it. it, it it's hard to gauge the level of desperation mm-hmm. you know it, it looks like they would be dying to get rid of players but you would think that almost every season because of their just wacky wage structure and You know, it does. It doesn't make sense on paper, but
1: somehow they make it work. I mean, they're dying to get rid of players, but they're all like the thing about Madrid. That's very like it's a very different ecosystem from being Arsenal. You know, Mm -hmm. we've 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 not been uh, in the top four for years now, and while that's grading and not exciting for us, we're not flipping over cars and lighting them on fire. If Madrid dropped out of the top two. Like th- for multiple years, like the their entire fan base would just destroy the club, uh, so they need to while selling players keep competitive, and it's this weird balance that they have. And I think Odegaard strikes that perfect balance of a player that's young enough that they've developed that can put them around that top two spot. So I, I, I. I would be happy but shocked if, if he moved.
0: Yeah, I, I wonder, and I know there is a lot of uh, respect for him from Arteta and the other um, club leaders. So I, I, I wonder how long they will keep that iron in the fire, so to speak, and see how that plays out. I'm sure there are other other targets in mind. Yeah. But maybe it's not the highest priority for them right now. And they because of Emile Smith-Rowe, they can afford to kind of sit back and see how that plays out a little bit more. I mean, Cause it could be that he's ready for another half-season loan again, you know, because <laughs> he might go into this thinking he's going to get a lot of playing time. And then when reality hits, he's going to be uh, sadly disappointed <laughs> if that if that doesn't come to fruition for him. Because um, I, I, I know he's not going to want to ride the bench um, so if he's not playing, there might be an appetite for it again. And, uh, that might just have to
1: wait till later though. I mean, it could also be the case. And yeah, I mean, this is just rife speculation from random person here, but, uh, that Arsenal can wait to run out his contract and sign him on a free, which would probably be a much better economic choice. And I think that's something that Odegaard, I think might be very willing to do, which is run out his contract in Madrid and get a good payday as opposed to that Mm. money going to the Madrid coffers.
0: Yeah. I'm not sure where he's at on his con con, or what his contract situation is right now. Um, But if it's more than two years, it, you know, that ship will sail for sure. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Beyond the, the Odegaard rumor I heard, there has not been a whole lot going on as far as the rumor mill goes. It sounds like this Ben white thing is all but done and could be announced as early as this week, but we've been saying that for several weeks now. So who knows? Um, again, that's don't, uh,
1: don't, don't, don't count your chickens before they hatch. I've been in this arsenal <laughs> thing before. Yeah. So. I,
0: that, that at this point that has been pretty much confirmed for Mornstein and, and, uh, Fabrizio Romano. So I, 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 of course, if he fails his meta, his medical, it's, it, that would be like the last hurdle. Um, but I, it, unless that happens, it sounds like it's a done deal. Um, as far as the Brighton and, and Arsenal side of things goes, it's, and, and it sounds like Ben White's, uh, personal terms are all, all sealed up. So I, it, if it's just down to the medical, We'll just wait, wait until that announcement comes. Um, I don't think there's going to be a gazump from another team, but you never know. Maybe somebody else is desperate to pay $50 million for a center pack right now. As,
1: it's I, As I say, I never really care until the Arsenal official page puts it on because uh, it's been many times before where I've been disappointed.
0: Yeah. Um. The... Yeah, the rumor mill is pretty quiet. Otherwise, and it is—it is a weird, uh, it is a weird window. I, I just don't, I don't know how long it's gonna take for things to shake loose. I don't know if they will shake loose. I, it sounds like, um, you know, one of the big dominoes was was Holland, and and that was, uh, pretty much down to. Chelsea, I think, going after him, but it, it sounds like he's going to stay at uh, in Germany another season. So if it's, if these big players aren't in play, then the, the that grease never hits the machine; it never really trickles down to anybody else. Um, so we'll have to wait and see. You know, there is lots of big names out there that could could move, but there is only a handful of teams that are actually able to spend. So if if there are scraps for Arsenal to go get when things start shaking <laughs> loose. Uh, we'll have to wait and maybe until the final weeks of the window for that to actually happen.
1: Yeah, definitely. Like, I mean, I know with the uh, Holland situation, Dortmund was pretty adamant that, of their price, and they have, I believe, another year on his contract or like two years, so that like they don't have to sell this year on it. And yeah, if the if the money's not right, it's not happening. And I think I don't know, It'll make it's going to make for a very interesting. Uh, end of transfer window day. Mm -hmm. I think there's going to be a lot of wheeling and dealings. As you mentioned, I think there's going to be a lot of loans last minute, just to even just free up space on the squads. So we'll we'll see what, what happens. I I, I do feel besides if the Ben White goes across the line, I think Arsenal has one more signing in them somewhere, but uh, we're just going to have to see where the chips fall.
0: Yeah, we'll talk more about that in a little bit, like where it, their chips should fall. Um, <laughs> but before we get to that, let's talk uh, most recent preseason match, which was would have been, I guess, uh, one of the U.S. games. But since that did not happen, uh, they did a behind-closed-doors uh, preseason match with Millwall, which apparently was was played somewhere, I somewhere, shown online somewhere I did not not catch it at all but did see some highlights and it looked like a lot of players playing at half speed so <laughs> take all these goals with a grain a big grain of salt um but as you alluded to earlier there was a nice uh attempt by a at a, at a bicycle kick <laughs> and unfortunately that didn't go go in but it did uh lead to a goal from uh chambers so that was started things off positively and um followed by goals from Lacazette Pepe and Balligan so everybody was was hitting uh Millwall did end up scoring one on a um I think off a corner which again may be concerning (laughs) don't know about the set piece coach yet we'll have to wait and see but uh, yeah like I said everybody was kind of Walking, walking, walking through this game from the highlights I saw. So it wasn't a uh, super high
1: competition from Millwall. Yeah, I mean, it's exactly why when people are freaking out of us, about us losing to, was it, uh, Rangers, one of the Scottish teams we lost to and we dropped through mm-hmm. with the other, I forget which one. And I'm like, it, it, these players are all walking. Like these players, these are all just fitness exercises. They're just one step above cones on a field. Uh, so I'm not too worried either way. I don't get the highs or the lows on this. I will say that, uh, you know, it's nice to see the players enjoying playing soccer. Obama Yang looked happy, you know, from yeah. the, uh, the goals and the celebrations and the passing Pepe looked uh, sharp and happy, uh, to put some, uh, wicked rumors in. I thought it was very interesting that when the goals were scored, the French speaking players all like ran to each other and hugged each other and didn't really it was it was interesting that uh it was a uh, Emil Smith Rowe that got an assist on one of those goals and they all went and hugged uh the french speaking players and he kind of just like stayed off by himself i don't but that's just Tim's wicked rumors so i think that that goal was actually
0: the chamber, the chamber's goal, where mm-hmm. Emile Smith Rowe was kind of just like in front, like in front of the goal to tap it in if it needed it. But I, I think it was Chambers that actually scored. But I don't know; I didn't see what happened as far as the celebration went yeah. with that one.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I don't know, but like at, at the end of the days, I'm I'm just excited to see players excited to play soccer again, and uh, hopefully we can see more of that we're not even at the sharp end of preseason so like <laughs> we're get, we're
0: getting there though i yeah. i did i did just pull up the um the schedule here and we're down to our last two and they are both premier league uh preseason matches so we've got chelsea
1: and tottenham coming up there's going to be at least uh one more if not two more rescheduled games from what they missed at the uh the florida games so like there 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 are a couple more preseason games as well added on i i'm curious where they're going to squeeze those in
0: i mean i they certainly will try to do that i it, sunday is the chelsea game so they could potentially squeeze in a, a, a game before sunday and then the following sunday is going to be at the the tottenham match yeah. so there is a possibility of getting one in, one or two in between those games well, um, i mean we'll you have, have to, to wait and see
1: You have to remember that it's not like actual games and not playing at full speed, so you can play more than one game a week, you know?
0: Yeah, but I expect, like, by the time... I think the expectation was, if everything had gone uh, to plan, that by the time you got to these last two games, you would be playing Premier League-level matches, hopefully close to full speed at this point because you're getting into your last couple weeks before it actually kicks off. So I would expect by the time they get to... At least the Tottenham game, they'll be up to full speed, and maybe even up. To, you know, maybe even with Chelsea this weekend. But the, uh, you know, if if they're sprinkling in some lesser competition in between, they can afford to kind of rotate and get get other guys some some minutes. And like the rotations with all these games are, they're trying to get everybody a little bit of time. So it's not like you're having any worry of tired legs or anything like that. So I, I, I'm sure they can squeeze in. And still push push the level up
1: uh, a little bit more. But I mean, I, we've been talking about all this transfer rumors because it is this silly season and all that. But uh, if you if you're talking about you know like trying to get to full game speed by the Tottenham game, do you think even the lineup is set at this point? Do you think Arteta knows what he's doing with the squad at this point and knows what? essentially he's gonna be playing with even if we bring in one or even two people
0: I think he's got a he's got a lot of the pieces um there's certainly a couple question marks but I don't think it would leave a lot and a lot I think the Ben white piece once that's in place it, assuming that happens that's kind of like the last. Big piece. I think you could start the season with that team and feel pretty good about where it's where it's going. And if you're able to get a couple other deals across the line before the window closes, that's like icing on the cake. But I think you could start the season feeling pretty solid about what what the team is um, once you get that that
1: center back role filled. So I'm going to throw you a bone and say say Ben White is going to get signed. Right? We'll we'll just count count that as a official. Uh, what's your starting lineup first day of the season then? Well, I guess the,
0: the other part we don't know is if there's going to be any delay of players coming back to the starting lineup, like will Saka be starting against Brentford or is he going to, come off the bench and work his way up to full fitness a little bit later than everybody else. I,
1: I I'll just throw you, I just like the ideal starting lineup. If everyone is fit and the squad is what it is, what is, sure. what, is, what is your, uh, what is your starting lineup? And do you think that's a, uh, premier league winning lineup would be this up mm-hmm. question. Okay.
0: So I think you got Leno, obviously, uh, Tierney, uh, Gabrielle white. Right back is a big question mark with the Bellerin situation. Assuming they are able to get a loan for him, I think I would put Chambers as the starting right back, honestly. Um, Then Party and then the the Xhaka situation, we'll have to wait and see what happens there. But if it's not Xhaka, it's probably Olmeni, which is concerning, but you know. He he he'll hold hold that position down. I think. Um, then, yeah, I think you've got uh, Sokka, Emil Smith Rowe, Pepe, with Aubameyang up front.
1: Does that win the Premier League?
0: I'm not trying to win this year. I, I honestly don't think <laughs> a, I, don't, I don't think that is a winning team. I think that's that's a that's a top that's a top five team.
1: Yeah, I think I I totally agree with you. I think that that lineup is is very much what we're going to see the first couple games. I think uh, I I I do expect to see Jaka there, and I'm mm. not necessarily sad about it in a lot of ways. I think he might get more stick than he deserves. Uh, and yeah, it's a top five. It's, I mean, it's not going to compete with a uh, city or even what Men's Men United has been doing and kind of their new signings. But I think it can compete for a champions league spot. And I think that team that if that's the team that starts and is like our average team throughout the year, I'd be disappointed to finish out of the champions league spots. Yeah, I think
0: United City and Chelsea will probably be in that top top tier, vying for the the Premier League title. Liverpool, I have no clue what they're go- what they're going to do, what how they're going to look this season. So I put them kind of in that next tier down, vying for the the next three or four spots. Yeah. I think Arsenal, Tottenham. Um, I'm missing somebody. Who am I forgetting here?
1: Leicester. Yeah. They'll, yeah, they'll be in that that mix. They'll be on that tier. Although the, some of their players are getting a little old. I, I'm i going to put out a weird prediction here. And this is not my Arsenal-tinted glasses. I think Tottenham's going to have a tough year this year. They just don't... They're not impressing. They have a new manager. I'm, I'm not impressed with the players or their signing so far. So... I think we'll be vying with Leicester and Liverpool for that 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 final fourth Champions League spot. Mm.
0: Where do you put Everton this year with uh, Benitez coming in? You think they're in that mix, <sighs> or do they got they got some growing pains?
1: They've got some growing pains. I, they, I, at the end of the day, again with my non Arsenal glasses on. I, I, I do have a lot of time today for Benitez. I think he is a very good manager. I think he gets mm. a lot of shit that he doesn't deserve. That Everton lineup is a little bit hard. And I mean, I genuinely rate all a lot of our players well above that Everton level. So it's going to be a lot of coaching up for, uh, for uh, Benitez. Benitas. I could see them in it, just like I could see a you know a couple of teams in it. But as far as on paper preseason expectations, they're going to be at that lower end of that second tier for sure, in my opinion.
0: Hmm. Yeah. It's. It, I. I think it's still going to be a difficult road ahead for Arsenal. Um. And I. I. It's hard. It's hard to feel like they've made a significant amount signif- significant amount of improvement from the signings that they've made so far. They've ad- they've addressed needs, but they haven't necessarily improved the first team enough, and that's that may be concerning overall. If this is the team
1: that's uh, going to start the Premier League, yeah, and it is it is an interesting worry. I always find myself fighting this just I, we've had this discussion a million times about whether what I want Arsenal to be mm-hmm. because at a certain extent to be for Arsenal to compete with compete with Man City we're going to have to spend Man City money and I don't know if I'm com- comfortable with that as a fan as a as a human being in soccer I don't know if I'm comfortable with that uh so I don't know I'm I'm feeling more optimistic. I I do like the signings we made so far. Like Lakonga, mm-hmm. like we're we're signing into a youth program, and I do appreciate that. I think the dangers of that is that being a youth program, there's a very low floor to what can happen, you know?
0: It is definitely a switch from the win now sort of signings that we were making and I can get behind that. I want that, but I don't know if the fan base is ready to struggle. You know, <laughs> like I think I don't, I'm not saying we have a bad team. I just think it's there are, when you're putting more emphasis on the younger players, when you're relying more on unproven players, you are going to have um, higher, high higher highs because your expectations might be a little bit lower, but you also have to expect there to be some rough patches and i am not saying like rough patches like the first half of last season but you know it's it it, it for as many as many highs there are probably going to be as many lows i think it's just going to be a little bit more um i don't know a, a little bit
1: more of everything <laughs> You, you you say not like the first half of uh, last season and i'm i'm hoping that's not the case but that i i in the uh, realms of possibility i'm not putting out of uh, out of that realms what happened at the first half of last season like i i i there there could very well be a very 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 rough patch for us this season
0: i would say my my expectations go have gone from they, what I would consider that period to be, was consistently pretty bad. To where our average will probably be consistently mediocre. You know, yeah. <laughs> that probably vying more for that middle of the pack than relegation spots. You know, I think that's we have to keep in mind that that's that was what the conversation was. I mean, we were in just above that relegation zone, and that was we were just as likely to go down that direction than, than we were to rebound. I kind of expect us more to be maybe not necessarily in the top tier all season long, but at least kind of that 10th and up vying for that, that top half than 10th and below. That's kind of where I place us based on the team that we have right now.
1: I think that's, I think that's a realistic uh, assessment of it. I think you hit the nail on the head with your assessment of it, but you know, the,
0: if they are ambitious and the deals and there are deals to be had, I could see one or two signings definitely making that being like an, a sixth and above. You know, like it only takes a couple guys to really push push up that uh, expectation level a little bit. So if if they were to go out and make a splashy signing, I, I might change my tune.
1: And it's not even just splashy signings, but it's a it's about. Uh, I always look at players as like roof and ceiling, right? You mm-hmm. have the low end of a player and the high end of a player. And some of our players, if you're you start hitting that high end, if Sokka hits his high end, if Emil Smith Rowe hits his high end, if uh, uh, Abamyang gets back to not even his high end, but his like uh, attic level, I guess you could say, <laughs> as far as uh, roof and ceiling. If uh-huh. uh, Gabriel. Even just as mid range. Like if you could if you have a couple players that start hitting their high ends of what we expect, then that is a whole nother conversation. It's just uh we have a have to be used to the fact that we have players that have much higher vi- variance than when you look at a city where the difference between the roof and the floor of their players is a very smaller level than where our roof and the ceilings are for our players.
0: Mm-hmm. I was going to save this question for after a break, but I think we should just keep talking because I don't want to ruin a good conversation yeah. here. If the season started next week, you know, before all the dominoes fell, if, if Arsenal had to go out and make one more signing, what area do you think they would, I guess, what what is the biggest area of need in your mind or where do you see the biggest um, potential to improve
1: I mean, I I mentioned this earlier, which is that I'm going to contradict a lot of what I said earlier with that. I think we need a creative midfielder. I think that is Mm. the biggest need and area. And if we sign someone in that, I think we would have a pretty good team, even without the Ben White signing coming through.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. I... it's hard not knowing what the outgoings are because I think that would change the the conversation a bit. Like if, if Xhaka does leave, I don't like the idea of starting the season with, uh, Sambi and, and Elmeny being the part, the, the dual partnership to, to party. And I, that those three players being our core of our midfield pairing is not, uh, ideal in my mind. Um, but i don't like the thinness at the at the creative midfield level either um so i think whether way, whether it's defensive or uh on the offensive end i think our midfield still needs one more signing at least i if shaka leaves i feel like that is a hole that has to be filled in my mind but i don't think that is um uh something they should necessarily break the bank on because they did spend good money on party. They do have uh, Sammy there to grow into that role. I feel like that's, it, it could be a, a 20 to $30 million signing and I'd, I'd feel okay with that. Um, Maybe somebody a little bit younger than party, a little bit older than, uh, than Sam and, 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 you know, just kind of have those tiers of like, well, these are the, these are the guys we're going to build around for the next few years. We're going to let these guys develop. We're going to kind of have have some security there. Um, but I I think at this point in this in the window that you have to kind of go with what becomes available. <laughs> and the way this window is going, it's what what's what's palatable for ownership to to bite the bullet on after you've made a, a fifty million dollars center center back signing and you're not making any sales, is there really anybody you can go after that makes sense for the money you're able to spend? And that's, that's a tough, that's a tough calculation without having any outgoings so far.
1: What do you feel about, and this is something I'm thinking about, but what do you feel about our forward situation where we have two players that are older at the end of, or one of them's at the end of his contract. And then you have a very, very, very young player. And then a couple players that, are known quantities. Is yeah, that people
0: people were just hating on the the Tammy Abraham rumor, but to me that made a ton of sense to find somebody in that uh, of that quality in that age, like Bolligan's still very young and unproven, so I wouldn't want to put a ton of pressure on him. So the 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 drop off, you know, you've got you've got uh martinelli who's young and somewhat still has to prove himself like he's he's got a ton of potential but not consistency yet um i think you do need somebody that's in their early to mid 20s that has proven themselves and i think that ta- that's tammy abraham and and i if it's not him somebody like that and there's not too many people that are like that. So, I, the people that were scoffing at, at, at signing another Chelsea player, if you strip away that Chelsea label and just look at the player, I think that is exactly the type of thing we should be looking at.
1: Do you think we're giving players like Enkedia and the other uh, strikers that were willing to throw away short shrift that maybe they do fill a role in Arsenal?
0: I still go back to Enkedia. and and think that he hasn't done enough with the time he's been given. Because it's not like he hasn't had chances. I just think that what he does bring, the type of player that he is, is not necessarily something that Arsenal need. A a player who scores a ton of goals from within the six-yard box is not... We have we don't play that way to take a full advantage of that. Um, Lacazette is a type of player, Aubameyang is a type of player. So if you're trying to like have a toolbox of a bunch of different strikers that can do different things, I I get that uh, that and Kedia could fill one of those roles, but it's not necessarily something that plays to the strengths of the other players that would be setting him up. We just don't play enough that close to goal to really take advantage of what he does. So I would rather go get somebody that is, has that same level of potential, but plays to the strengths of the players around him a
1: little bit more. And then with the depth of arsenal, like I know we always talk about these starters that we want to fill in, but where, where the depth that we want, we need to fill in, or do you think we've got a pretty good depth chart once we uh, put in some of these uh, starters? I
0: I do want more depth behind Emil Smith Rowe. I would love to see I'd like to just have a clear vision of what the right back situation is. We've got like three like not necessarily we have tons of depth there, depth there. But the uh it's not clear who the number 1 is, especially if Bellerin does go. You've got three guys who could potentially play as a starter, but I wouldn't feel comfortable with going into the season that, with Cedric as the start as the number one. Ainsley Maitland Niles doesn't want to be the number one, so that leaves Chambers. And I he uh, he was a he was a revelation last season, but I don't know the longevity of him as a right back. I, it and it I, it's just going to take time. So maybe you just give him that spot and and say it's yours okay. until it's not, you know, like you can, you can, <laughs> if you keep doing well, you keep this, your position. And if not, we've got, we've got play, guys that can play. Um, But, you know, he, he puts in a good cross. He's good at getting up and down the field. So he do, he checks a lot of the boxes. I think I, of all the things that we have to go out and get, I don't know that I would, put a ton of money into going out and getting another right back if Bellerin does leave. Cause you do have, you do have the backup goalkeeper position that, you know, if, if the rumors that are out there, you know, they're looking at Ramsdale, who is, they're asking 30 million or more for him. And I that doesn't make any sense financially. Um, even if he is a, a homegrown, uh, it, it, it totally, Screws up your whatever situation you have with Leno because you're putting all this money into somebody who's clearly going to be the next goalkeeper. I, I, it's just it, it, that's it's too messy for me. I I would rather go out and get a twenty million or less goalkeeper to back up Leno and let that situation play out as it should. Let Leno play out his contract, or you know, go another year, and then if the the next guy's ready to step up, great. If not, we go out and get a different guy. I, I I think you have to you have to put some decent money into it because you don't want you don't want the huge drop off that we had, like when Runerson had to come in. Like you, you kind of want somebody who's in between. I guess Aquango is is our third back for her third goalkeeper for this season. So you, you want somebody who's kind of tiered below Leno, but above a you, you want somebody who's established themselves, but isn't necessarily a first first choice keeper yet. Um, but that's going to cost you money, especially if you're going to have to go out and get a homegrown type player. Um, so that, that might be a, a, a situation where I, I think looking at the depth depth of all of our positions, that is one of the clear positions we have to go out and get somebody in this window i think because i i don't think there is is anybody that's going to be a
1: number two at this point i mean it's 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 hard with number two keepers because when i play fifa or when i play a uh, uh, football manager number two keepers where i put least amount of my money because in reality unless there's a the tragic that happens which happens every once in a while but when the like they're not going to see you play. Like I think Chelsea had that like magic uh, thing when they had Hilario Gomez as their uh, backup to check, which is, you know, check was never injured until he got his horrific injury. And Hilario Gomez was very happy collecting the paycheck sitting on the bench. And we, we saw that we, we had that for a little while with, uh, uh, why am I forgetting his name? As soon as they leave Arsenal, I forget the name, plays for West Ham now. Uh oh Emmy Martinez. Emmy Martinez. And uh we had that situation where we had a great number two on the bench, but the problem with having a great number two on one on the bench is they want to play, and if they're not playing, they want to get sold. Mm-hmm. So I would be very, very frightened to put even 20 million on a backup keeper, especially because we sold Emmy for like what, 14? Like we got we got twenty for him. Oh, uh, twenty! I mean, it would it would essentially be taking
0: reinvesting that money back into another player. But I don't know that you're going to find somebody of that quality. Yeah. And I I wonder what the long term uh, plan is for this Leno situation. I, I I kind of I would think they would go out and get somebody that could potentially be the number one within a year or two. But yeah. the, how many people can you go out and and find? that are also homegrowns that you can get for less than 20 million. You know, it, when you start putting all these conditions in, it, it really narrows things down. And once people know that you have these conditions, they can just jack up the price. I think that's kind of what the Ramsdale situation is.
1: I mean, and that's exactly it. And like, to be honest, I'd rather have a Rune Arson, which, you know, again, is a very, 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 very low floor. And we've seen mm-hmm. some of that low, almost basement-level floor. But there's this idea that he does have a high ceiling, and we've seen, what, two games of his? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and 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 that's harsh to judge any player on, and I think that's the type of backup that we want. I, 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 I just don't want to spend... I wouldn't want to spend more than $10 million on a backup keeper in my... A-
0: yeah, I think my... I think twenty would be. Twenty would be if you had somebody that was a clear player for the future, and anything less than that, or and, you know, anybody that is not of that quality, you probably shouldn't spend more than fifteen on for your backup.
1: Yeah, if
0: that. like it has to be an heir apparent sort of situation where they're they're vying, they're going to be pushing Leno and
1: vying for that first team spot within a year or two. Which I'm fine with. Like I, I, I do think competitions for spots are good, and competition for goalkeeping spots is a good thing, to a certain extent. But uh, there are a lot more positions I'd rather spend that fifteen to twenty million on than backup keeper. Which you may, I mean, there's there may be a whole season where they don't play. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I
0: wish we would have just gotten like. Matt Ryan and signed him to a long-term, <laughs> longer-term deal and yeah. called it good because you know he he was serviceable. That was fine. Yeah, exactly. He could have just kick kick this can a little bit longer.
1: Yeah, that's the problem. With Let Leno do his thing. That's the problem with kicking the can. Eventually, you have to uh, <laughs> collect it. Yeah. Him.
0: Well, I, I I to me, I guess that when you're looking at where the glaring needs are, we have a big gaping hole at that goal backup goalkeeper position. So I, I would expect that's going to get addressed somehow because we can't go into the season with our supposed third string keeper stepping up into that second string. I just don't think he's he's ready yet. So I I, I do imagine that, se- that once the center back thing gets done, you got to sort out the goalkeeper situation and then kind of see where the outgoings put you because that's going to be, a decider of where you need to put your effort into replacing or, you know, kind of tell you what, what kind of money you have to play with. Yeah, I mean, I,
1: I, I do think that what happens with Jaka, what happens is Bowden are going to be very informative to how the rest of uh, the pieces fall into play.
0: Do you see anybody uh, on the team right now making a surprise like being a surprise sale as far as bringing in funds or do you just, I imagine a a lot of loans and low level
1: sales coming from the team? I mean, if you want my crazy prediction, I could see Lacazette going if we, the price is right. Hmm. Cause I, I think his services are in need for a lot of other teams and he's getting towards the end of his contract. Mm -hmm. And if we can get some money for him, I think that that sale makes sense. Not that I, I, necessarily endorse it but i could see that coming i think my only problem
0: with losing lacazette is that there aren't there aren't we don't really have anybody who can do what he does even if you did make the the tammy abraham deal happen that's not the kind of player he is either so finding somebody who can hold up the ball and that you can play off of and and can relieve pressure. Um, that's a tough, that's a tough thing to replace. Um, and I think even like Xhaka is another t- t- type that is not easy to replace. Um, but I feel like the, with the Jaka situation, you, we already know that we can play differently and, and kind of find a different type of player that we can work around but i do feel like with the the striker situation it is like a toolbox you want different different types for different situations and so not having a like uh, a like for likes uh swap available um makes that a little little bit tougher cuz good strikers are just hard to come by and they're going to cost you usually so it it is uh if he did go last minute, and we weren't able to replace him. That would put us in a real tough spot because even if Martinelli stepped up and had a great season, all of a sudden, that's not the type of player he is. I would put him more akin to what uh, Aubameyang brings us. And I, I'm not sure what kind of player Balligan is yet, <laughs> but I don't expect him to have a huge role either. Even though like Martinelli had had sparks and has had good, um, Games from time to time at a young age. I don't expect Balligan to have a ton of a ton to do without European competition. So he might it might take him a lot longer to develop.
1: So what's your uh, surprise move of the off season? What, who 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 could you see leaving on the uh, last minute deadline deal?
0: Hmm, that is tough. I I kind I kind of think the um yeah I I would kind of lean with you that that Lacazette even though there has not been a lot of rumors I just feel like there's because there aren't a ton of strikers out there who are in that position uh, contract wise and and age wise I feel like they p- there will be teams that need strikers that will look at him and go that's that's like low hanging fruit like he can. He's at a he's maybe at the end of his career, so he's not gonna have like a huge well, maybe he has huge contract demands, but I mean like he, he's not gonna fetch a fee that he would have like a couple years ago. So it's gonna be less than what he got his last contract with us. Um so I i, I it, it could be appealing when all the other dominoes start falling. There's only so many strikers available out there that are established. And, and he's had good, good goal numbers, not amazing, but he's been consistent. And so I think he could, he could be appealing to some people.
1: I mean, he's not a Holland, he's not going to score Holland numbers, but he's not going to score that much less than Holland. Like he is going to score goals. Mm -hmm. You can guarantee that. And there is a premium for a, a striker that will score goals. I just the one
0: the one downside I think he he would be a great fit to go back to um, go back to France but I that that league is so messed up I don't know if they're anybody could even afford afford that so I don't know yeah. if that's
1: that's a possibility for him yeah I don't know and but you know more to the point like uh, another side of the question that you originally asked I don't think there's a lot of surprise selling that would come from Arsenal I think we're at a point where we can't afford to sell some of these players that would would have value, you know? Because mm. I think Leno has value, but I don't think we can afford to sell Leno at this point. You know, I, we could probably get Sokka for a price, but we can't afford to sell Sokka. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. we can't afford to sell Obama Yang at this point. Like, there, there are a lot of players on our team that we just, if we have ambitions to try and make it to the Champions League, we can't afford to sell, so... Yeah, I think a lot
0: of teams are in that same position where it's like, yeah, great. We could even if we have suitors for some of these. There's no easy way. There's no ready-made replacements because there's the market's so flat that there's just not a lot available to go out and replace these players with. So even if you could sell some of these, it's just you're going to get left in the lurch. So you you don't even want to um contemplate. Selling some of these players because it it would just impact the team so much if you didn't have a, a ready made replacement available. I don't think Arsenal can afford that. I don't. Think, <laughs> we're we're trying to build something here, we, <laughs> and and getting rid of getting rid of uh, some of these unneeded players is going to be hard enough.
1: Exactly, and you know, as you said, I don't think Arsenal could afford much uh, leeway in that. So,
0: <laughs> yeah. I, I'm I'm hopeful that they can find homes for some of these uh, fringe players, whether they be, you know, I, I, there are there are a few players like get get and Keddie some more game time. Like I don't I don't mind if that a player like that who hasn't maybe found his way in our team goes out on loan because I do think he has a skill set that is marketable and is potentially good for Arsenal in the future, but it's not, it's not apparent right now what he can do for us or what he's going to do for us. So get him game time somewhere. Yeah. And
1: there's a few players that could fit that role. And on a personal level, I want these players to fulfill their ambitions. Like I want, and Mm -hmm. like in to have a happy soccer life, as long as he doesn't sign for Tottenham, like (laughs) (laughs) I want them to fulfill their, their dreams. And I think some of these players are just not going to hit it at Arsenal, you know? Yeah, they there are a lot of.
0: We just have a lot of players, and we brought in a couple, a few more. So you know, it's somebody has to go out. It's got we've got to make way. I mean, another name that that I I forget about is Joe Willock. Hmm. Um, he's, I I imagine they will find a way to get him back at Newcastle, but I don't know. I I don't think Newcastle is going to pay for him. So I think it's going to be another loan situation, if anything.
1: I mean, that's the weird thing is Newcastle wants him, or I mean, Steve Bruce wants him. Like when you talk Mm -hmm. about Newcastle, you have to differentiate from the manager and the owner. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And, you know, he's basically, Steve Bruce said it's in Arsenal's court. And I think Arsenal's saying like, no, no, it's on your court. If you want to pay the money, he's available. Like, and I think that's another situation where I think the owner just isn't going to, isn't willing to invest anymore. He wants out of that club so badly that he, he's not going to invest in a player
0: like that. Yeah. I, I there are so many, uh, I'm just, I just pulled, pulled up the, uh, the team lineup right now. And there's so many players I just forget about. <laughs> it's, it's sad. Um, two, two players that came to mind, Lucas Torreira and Kalasenat. Oh yeah. Um, I I don't know. I mean, Torreira clearly doesn't want to be in Arsenal anymore. He would much rather be anywhere else. Yeah. But I, I, he's a player that needs to play, so I think he's got to
1: find a place where they actually play him. Torreira did not work out. I mean, we're talking about where our shortcomings are, and if you're talking about depth in that midfield, Torreira is that depth piece. So I could see him getting matches and staying. Klasnac should go if Klasnac wants to get game time, he needs to leave Arsenal, and that's just unfortunate. Yeah. For that, but I can see Ter- Terrera getting some some game time with us, especially if we don't make that signing in midfield.
0: Yeah, it he he would be, I think he would be all right, but I don't know. if... He seems like he's in a tough mental spot, <laughs> and I don't know if that's easily fixed with Arsenal. Yeah. I think he's. Over it and ready to get anywhere else and start fresh. And uh that seems from all, all indications, it seems like that's all he wants is just a move elsewhere. I mean. But I don't know if anybody's willing to
1: spend the money on him right now. At a certain point, if he really wants to get away from Arsenal, he has to start maybe putting in some performances for Arsenal and we can sell him the transfer <laughs> window or something like that. Yeah. There's there is a certain point where, like, yeah, you want to get away, but if you're not showing, no one's going to want to buy you. And, mm-hmm. you know, if, if you don't show, and if you don't play for a while, you're going to drop off everybody's radar and you're going to be playing in second division Spain, which I imagine he's going to like less than playing in, uh, in, uh, Arsenal.
0: Yeah. We've got, we've got a lot of fringe players that just need homes. So I, <laughs> there, there will probably be a flurry of loans. And hopefully loans with obligations attached to them or at least some some decent money coming our way to, to make it right
1: in the meantime. That is the scuttlebutt, is that uh, loans with obligations is going to be the new signing. Like <laughs> Everyone's trying to kick the can off till a couple years when things, at least monetary streams, get back to normal. Yes.
0: Well, I, I I'm hopeful that things will start Ticking along here in the next week or two, I'm not sure when the window actually closes. Is it end of August?
1: I forget the exact date, but it's a, it's going to be several weeks into the season. So, um, so we'll have a couple games to assess some of these players and how much we really still want them here.
0: Yeah, let's see here. The last. Oh, can somebody give me?
1: No, the internet's no, never. Started. There's never. There's never direct, <laughs> direct answers to my questions. I mean, to be fair, we probably, as podcast hosts, should be researching these before the the podcast. No, but I, I have
0: ideas as I go along. <laughs> that's that's never something I think about beforehand.
1: No, I never do. I, I pull up all these tabs. I have about five worthless tabs in this conversation because <laughs> I pull up all these tabs as if I knew where the conversation is going to go. And it never goes where I thought. I think it's going to go.
0: <laughs> well, the uh, the the next piece of technology we need is as you're talking in a podcast to have a a browser window that listens to what you're saying and and predictively pulls up tabs with information that
1: you need. I mean, the next t- technology is going to be robots that take over the podcast and just. Oh yeah, who needs us? Yeah, exactly.
0: Uh, here we go. Tuesday, August 31st is when the window closes. So some time still to go, but we're, we're creeping towards the last month.
1: I, I kind of wonder if it's going to go down to last couple weeks, really. Oh, it definitely is. I, it's, I I guarantee it's like, I think this, the end of the transfer window is going to be the most ex- interesting part of it. And I, for one, am so excited when the transfer window ends, because then we can just start talking about the real stuff as opposed to the, uh, the transfers. Yeah. The hypotheticals. Yeah. I know, I know, it, I know a lot of people out there are all about the hypotheticals and the what ifs. I, I like to, to, to look what's on the ground and, uh, work with what we got.
0: Absolutely. I get you. Well, I think that's a good place to stop for now. And hopefully we have some more to talk about next week. It seems like Arsenal is just letting stuff trickle out. So maybe we'll get another signing this week and then have <laughs> that to talk about and then. Maybe if we just do a one, one big thing a week, that that'll be enough to keep us going until this really starts kicking off. But for now, we, Smith Rose good enough for me.
1: Exactly. It's real. It's real and I like
0: it. So yes. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you all for listening to this week's episode. We appreciate you sticking around through, uh, through thick and thin. If you haven't subscribed or review the podcast, go ahead and do so wherever you you pick up your podcast every week. Uh, if you prefer to watch instead of listen, we do have a YouTube channel uh, and you can see our lovely faces uh, in, in live and in, well, not live, we're working on live. Someday we'll be live, That's but amazing. for right now you can see recordings of the, the podcast. Uh, West of North London is what you can search on YouTube and find us there. Uh, If you would rather just follow us on Twitter, you know, if you you have to follow us somewhere, you get to choose. Twitter is another option for you at W of N London is where you can follow us. And if you want to send us questions there, that's fantastic. If you want to send us questions at our email address that would be westofnorthlondon at gmail.com and if you want to get real crazy and send in a voicemail it's anchor.fm slash westofnorthlondon slash message we'd love to hear from you via message as well and if you like our theme, theme song Bobcat is the name of the band their album is No Course to Follow and if you'll want to get more information and find much more about the band, their website is bobc.at and uh, all that and and much more can be found there. So I believe we've reached the end of the the line here. So as always,
1: see you at the next gunshot.